And we saw that it's represented, so to speak, Malachi held on to that middah because he never bowed down to Havon. He was never Kareya, Mishnachavet to Havon. And in fact, the opposite happened. Mirem Havon bent to him. And we found a similar thing by Esther and Malka, also a granddaughter of Shaul, also from Sheba Pinyamin, and also therefore had the same nonsense Kayach of the Netzach store. And she too didn't capitulate. And uh, we find that Haman fell in front of Esther as well, maybe unintentionally. But that demonstrated also that, so to speak, he had bent to her, not the other way around. And therefore, the victory of Purim really was the victory of Amalek's ascendancy of Akal Yisrael in the sense that they wanted to take the Midas and Netzach, which means our ability to rule, to be victorious away from us. And the victory of Purim was that not only did we not give in to Haman and lose our ability to be victorious, but on the contrary, Haman, representing Amalek, lost their Koyach of Malchus for us, lost their victory to us. And therefore Haman fell to Mordechai. And we saw that that's the word that his wife Zeresh told him. He began to fall in front of him, he'll continue to fall to him. And uh, as he said, Mizera Yehudim, it wasn't just Mordechai as Mordechai, it was Mordechai as acting as the representative of Klai Yisrael, and therefore Klai Yisrael regained the Mirza Netzach. There's one last point which, uh, to complete the last discussion before we go on to the next part and that is we spoke about the fact that by not destroying Amalek completely Shaul lost the chance to regain the Vedas and Netzach there because we, even though had Amalek been destroyed then of course there wouldn't be the competition there wouldn't be the option just like if Haman succeeded in destroying Klai Yisrael then even if Amalekha wouldn't have bound down to him it would have made a difference but uh, there's a second point too as well. And it says that when Haman didn't, ju- is it Achshol, didn't just not kill Agag, he didn't mash with Agag either. He didn't lower Agag. And therefore it says that, Sh- that when Shmuel wanted Agag, he took him out Ma'adonis. Kilo from a Shaul had kept him comfortably. And therefore he hadn't forced him to, to bend to Shaul in a way which would have taken away his netzach. And that was what Shmuel told him that like Ashlaw explains what was what he understood had been lost by the last opportunity which Shul hadn't used to overcome the, that Kayak of Amalek. Okay, that's what we spoke about previously. Now let's look at something new. Maybe something a bit more Kabbalistic. Something based on Ariza. And Arizal tells us the principle, but in order to understand Arizal's principle, we need a bit of background. Of course, Arizal talks the language of Kabbalah, and uh, people who are unfamiliar with the terminology won't really understand what Arizal is trying to say, but let's go a bit of background to explain the concept. And that is, we know that, of course, we talk about HaKadosh Baruch Hu as running the world, and that's for sure the truth. 
that in Kabbalah we identify maybe different Hanhogis of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you're going to call it that, different ways in which we can understand Hashem interacting with the world. And therefore we don't just talk about globally Hashem running the world, which is for sure true, but rather specifically with which aspect of Hashem Tanhagin is he running the world. And Hanhagin gives, uh, the Kabbalah gives these different ways of running the world, different names, at even different levels. There's a higher Hanhagin, a higher form of, of Hashem's running the world, and there's a lower form of Hashem's running the world. Now, one of those uh, different aspects of Hashem's running the world of the Kabbalah is what we call, uh, in Kabbalistic terminology, what we call the Zer Anfin, which literally means the lower level of Anhaga. And uh, otherwise it would be referred to as Hashem acting as the Melech Malachim Lachim. Hashem acting as the king. Because in his, in his capacity as a king, so of course the king is in charge, the king runs everything under his dominion. And therefore we see Hashem as the Melech HaOilam, the king of the world. And he runs everything in the world. Now, just like when you're talking about a physical king, we talk about the symbol of, the, of his rulership, of his majesty, is he has a crown. Just like we talk about Hashem, somebody we say is a keser. But there's an interesting observation, and that is the crown of a king might be the symbol of his power, of his marvels, but if you think about it, the crown isn't a part of the king. You know, sometimes you line up different spheres, different aspects of Hashem's Zanhaga, with different parts of the, as representing different parts of the body. You say the chesed is the right, for example, and the gvur is the left, and the teferis is the middle of the body. That, that uh, we understand the different tanogas relate to different parts of the body. When we're talking about the keser, which is the crown, which is only the top anhoga, the highest anhoga, so a crown isn't really part of the body. A crown is something external, which is placed on the head, which is above the body. And therefore, something which is given to a person from above, and something which rests on him from above, and maybe it bestows on him a higher level from above, but it's not intrinsically part of him. And the difference is, if something is not intrinsically a part of you, it can be taken away. And therefore, we're talking about the middle of Hashem as the Melech Malchem Lachim, as the king who runs the world. So, what you want to know is, what's the Kodesh Baruch's crown? In the sense of what's the higher element with which Hashem runs the world? And here also, Kabbalah tells us that there's a Hanhaga higher than the Melech and that Hanhaga, so to speak, which is above him gives the Hashpah, gives the flow of, of Kedusha or Koyach, so to speak, to the Hanhaga of the Melech that enables him, as it were, to run the world. Let's, let's explain what that means. We know that all life and all kayak and all shefa and all brach and all kedusha comes from the, the source of the sparkle, the source of everything. And from there, it's level by level by level. It uh, gets passed down from each stage to the next. 
obviously it gets minimized on each at each stage. A person's ability of every level lower down to relate to that nucleus. But the Shorish begins from Baruch himself and that filters down. And now if that's the case, and this is an important point, even by levels of so to speak, the way we relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we're going to talk about a higher level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Anhaga and a lower level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Anhaga. So we're going to say the same thing. And that is that the one is above the other. That's the source. And the lower level of Hashem runs the world, so to speak, is influenced by the higher level. And therefore, if we're going to talk about the level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu acting as a Melech, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu acting as a Melech, then really there's it's a Hanhaga higher than that. Then we're going to say that everything begins from the higher Hanhaga, the higher level, and it gets transferred down to the lower level. And therefore, what we, to, to explain it in simpler words, if we were to talk about the lower level of being the Melech, if we talk about the higher level's influence on the lower level as being the crown that the Melech wears, as being the what gives him the power to be the Melech, what gives him the ability to to transfer and to mashpia, uh, so to speak, uh, whatever koyach that's given to him, further to the levels of the people. So that's the first one you need to understand. We recall the concept of Hakadosh Baruch Hu acting as the Melech, and then the Hanhog of the Melech comes from a level above that. But now we see a tremendous idea. And really this is based on the Psukim. And that is, the Pasuk says to us that if Klai Yisrael uh, are not going to obey Hashem, then Hashem says He's going to turn His face away from us. We know when there's bracha, so when we're being blessed, HaKadosh Baruch turns His face towards us. Hashem should shine His face upon you. Whereas if we're not being blessed, the opposite, then Hashem turns His face away. And what it means that Hashem turns His face away from us or towards us, Israeli, is that Yachas, is that relationship that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is um, involved in everything we do, and is being Mashpia, is transferring bracha to us, or turning the face away is Hashem is not giving that bracha to us. Now, that doesn't mean that that Akhadosh uh, Baruch isn't still running the world. Of course he is. What it means is it's not in the way that that we're being shown that bracha, we're being shown that that closeness, or we've been given that match. On the contrary, in a time when Hashem turns his face away, then we see less, so to speak, Akhadosh Baruch involvement and Hashem's Shishba in the world. It's more Akhadosh Baruch acting, as it were, uh, indirectly, that without he's running the world, but without our seeing how he's um, how he's uh, bestowing his chesed to the world, which is not a new concept either. We all know that. that there's a concept of Hashem acting more openly when we say Hashem is facing towards us, and when Hashem acts more in a way which is hidden, which you know, it's, even if he's not facing us, but he's running the world in a way which is more, which is his involvement is anhaga. Is more is more concealed, but what we want, what what's important to us best, we've learned so far to understand, is why that happens. And we know that it depends on Kali Yisrael, and let's explain why it depends on Kali Yisrael. 
And the answer is, is because when we talk about the transfer of, so to speak, spiritual energy, of Shefa, of Bracha, of Chaim, whatever it's going to be, then there's a system which begins at the highest level that there is, and then from there it goes down, from level to level to level to level to level, until eventually it reaches us. And that whole system is constructed in a way where, so to speak, it flows from the beginning until the end. And now we know the rule that Shafa always is, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives in as much as there's the ability for people to receive. But if Hashem to give Shafa in a way which the flow is going to go unchecked, and there's no one at the bottom who's able to receive it, then either one or two things is going to happen. Either it's just going to get wasted, it's like uh, a system of, of pipes which are transferring water, and at the end of the system there's just an open faucet which is just running with no, 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 nowhere to receive that water, so it's just going to cause a flood. And therefore it's either a waste, so to speak, of that, of that spiritual kayak, or it's going to be destructive, it's going to flood. And therefore it's going to be, un- so to speak, it's not going to be a benefit for the person who's getting it, it's going to be to their disadvantage. But now the important principle to understand is, if that's the case, and we see there's a faucet which is just pouring water, or a main pipe which is burst and the street is getting flooded, what's the etzer? And the only etzer is to switch off the system from the beginning. In other words, there's no storage point along the way. The HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to send Shafa and now it's going to get stopped somewhere because it can't flow to the next death. If Hashem is going to stop the Shafa, it's going to be right from the beginning, which means He's never going to make the Shafa flow from the very, very first stage. And therefore that's going to stop the flow the whole way down the line and it'll cut off the, the, uh, the waste, or so to speak, or the amount of Shafa which is being poured out needlessly. It's just like we talk about the water. If there be a flood and we see that there's a there's, no, there's nothing to receive the water, or, the, or there's a crack in the pipes, so you have to switch off the water from the very first the turn of the water right from the beginning, and that will stop the flow, which will stop the water going to waste. And therefore, in the similar context, if you're going to say that Mutlaishal don't deserve the Hashem's bracha, there aren't the level to receive it. So the way HaKadosh Baruch has to do, he has to limit the flow of that bracha. Because if Hashem limits the flow of that bracha, it doesn't start lower than just by us. It starts right at the top. It starts at the very beginning of the system. And therefore, for example, this will affect the Malachim too. The Malachim are a stage in that, in that transfer of Chaim and of Shefa, which begins by HaKadosh Baruch and ends by us. And how much Shefa the Malachim get will depend on how much Shefa eventually can come down to us. And therefore, if we're able to receive more, then there'll be more shafa flowing through the system, and the malachim will get more as well. Whereas if we get less, then they also get less, because the Kaddish Baruch limits the, from the very big, top of the, of the system how much gets transmitted based on how much we're able to receive. And therefore, we always talk about the fact that the malachim are scared of Yom Adin. As we say in the Davli, the malachim are terrified too, because they say it's Yom Adin. And why does it make a difference to them? What makes a difference to them is that based on the din of Klai Yisrael, based on the din which happens to us, is going to directly affect how much effort they get to. And just the Malachim aren't in a position to do too much about it. You know, we as Klai Yisrael can do trivia, we can change, we can try harder, and we can uh, make make differences which will affect how much effort Baruch Hu sends down to the world. Malachim can't do that. Now, 
that's true for the Malachim. Let's take this idea a step higher. And that is, it's true for different levels of Hashem and as well. And if Shachayim says this when he explains the Pasuk, which literally means that your, your rock, your base, which is Hashem, you teshi, you made him weaker. How did Chasasham happen? People make a Kaddish Baruch weaker. So obviously, it's not talking about a Kaddish Baruch, but we say, but that's Muslim, who's all powerful and unchangeable. But we're talking about ways Hashem runs the world. So then, based on how Kaddish shall act, make a Kaddish Baruch's ability to run the world with us with, uh, less. And the reason for that is, is because those Anhogas of Hashem also need to get a certain shepherd from a higher place. From the source, from Hashem Himself, and when then the Kaddishal don't deserve it, that Shef is not forthcoming, and therefore those Anhogas of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, lose that Shef too. And therefore, going back to the example we gave before, if we talk about what in, in, it enables Hakadosh Baruch Hu to act as in the capacity of the Melech, as the King of the world, is the Kesser that he gets is his crown, which means is the Kayach above him. Which comes from a higher level, uh, which is, comes from the higher, the highest in Hagav Hashem, so to speak. Then, when Klal don't deserve it, and uh, therefore there's a lack of Shefa being being created and being given down to all the low st- stages that there are, then that case is taken away. And if that's the case, the the the, the mid of Hashem acting as the Melech of the world isn't dominant, isn't dominant, so to speak, has lost its crown. And that concept in Kabbalah is called that the king is still here, but if he's not, if the, middle, the king isn't dominant, so to speak, it's not active, then it's either he's out here and he's gone to sleep. He's gone to sleep. And what does it mean, gone to sleep? It means that uh, the, the potential of is here, just like when a person's sleeping, potentially he has all the abilities he has when he's awake, but it's not active right now. It's like when a person's asleep, and the tzkoiches within him aren't active. And therefore, to say that the king has gone to sleep, so to speak, uh, is something, is saying that the hanhog of HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't, isn't uh, noticeable, isn't active. And again, the, the, the Pasuk uses this terminology, it talks about the yakitz kayesh and Hashem, that Hashem worked as someone who was asleep, which means that there was a period when a certain hanhog wasn't prevalent, and then it's Ilu Hashem was sleeping. And now that uh, the Haga has come back again, so it's Ilu HaKadosh Baruch Huwaka. But that's the important point. And now we understand a background to the Megiddo. The Gemara tells us that there was a discussion between Haman and Achashverosh. And Haman wanted to convince Achashverosh to kill the Jews. And Achashverosh says, you know, this has been tried before by many kings. Uh, Paratrites and Cherev tried. And none of them were too super successful. So why would I want to repeat the mistake? And on that, uh, Haman's answer was, Yeshna, I'm Echad. And the Megillah points out the word Yeshna, which means there is, is the same letters as Yashna, which means he's sleeping. And therefore, the, the Gemara explains Haman's answer to be, yes, but Hashem is going to sleep. And therefore, it's true in the time of Bichayim, Hashem was awake and active, so to speak. But now... Now, now it's a different than Hagen. Now Kadosh Baruch is sleeping. And when Kadosh Baruch is sleeping, then you can attack the Jewish people. And what does he mean? Hashem is sleeping, and others is something childish and simplistic. 
on the contrary, Arizal says, Homan understood Ruchnis very, very well. And he said what he meant was that because of the various that Klai Yisrael have done, because of the various that Klai Yisrael have done, we made the Hanhoga of Hashem acting as a king, which means he's going to intervene to save them, is sleeping. It's not active right now. And therefore, if you're going to try and destroy the Jewish people, now's a good time to try because the Hanhoga of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, it being involved openly in the world isn't right now that Darren Hogg is asleep. Darren Hogg is not prevalent. You know, before I continue with the, the understanding of the result, I just want to give a bit of a historical context because we look at uh, Purim as Megillah's Esther safer on its own. It begins with the Megillah, ends with the Megillah, and we see that as like, so to speak, the, the whole story of Purim. But really, a person has to understand Purim in the context of history when Purim fell. So we will understand much better what's going on. And as we know, that there had, that, again, this is something which is discussed right at the beginning of the Megillah, that the, that the party Achishverish made was in order to celebrate the fact that the Besamish hadn't been rebuilt. And therefore, there was a, Purim happened during Goddess. Purim happened during Goddess. And the Hanhok of Goddess is, to some extent, the fact that the Shporofa isn't openly leading us and guiding us. And in Melanin, so to speak, the Hanhok is asleep. And therefore, Haman thought this was the perfect time to try and destroy the Jewish people. In other words, they didn't have the merits, they didn't have the schusim, that the Shporofa should intervene for them. That myth of Hashem running the world as the Melech was, was not dominant, was not felt. It was Gila was asleep. So, that's how he makes the plan to destroy the rats and destroy the plants, to destroy the entire Jewish people. And then what happens next? What happens next is a Chiddush, but it's something which is a big part of what we celebrate on Purim. That is, the result tells us there's a second Hanhaga also. The second Hanhaga is not called the Melech, which is the king who runs the world, but it's never to call. Uh, it's called sometimes the Midas Hamalchus, not to be confused with the Melech, the Midas Hamalchus, which, or sometimes it's called Pesach Yisrael, the middle which guides Klai Yisrael. And this middle works differently. Let's explain with the Pasuk. There's a Pasuk which says, Achayna Tokel Nistater, Elekei Yisrael Meshim. You, Hashem, are, however, a kel, a source of power, but Nistatev is hidden. And Akei Yisrael, the God of Yisrael, Mashiach, that saves, that saves us. And on that, unfortunately, explain that sometimes Hashem acting as the source of all power in the world, what we call the kel, is Nistatev, he's hidden. We don't, that Dehan Hagar could be an Hagar which is not active right now. And therefore, one can't see clearly Hashem running in the capacity of how He's running the world. And how He's making things happen to feel the way He wants the world to be. So to speak, in times like that, HaKadosh Baruch allows people to do what they want, even if it's against what Hashem would want, so to speak. Because that, that middle of Hashem being the Melech, which means forcing everyone to do what He wants them to do, which means establishing the world the way He wants it to be, that middle, that middle isn't what what operative and like we said the reason for that is is because when we Klai Yisrael don't deserve it so then the Kasser gets taken away from that Melech 
he loses his ability to be the king, and so to speak, it becomes a dormant minute. Or in the words I said before, it's getting us to sleep. Hashem is mistaken. The God of Israel is saves. And this teaches us that there's another Anhaga. And that is, there's Anhaga that HaKadosh Baruch Hu saves to Israel. And that is, that even if the, the first middle we spoke about isn't active, but there's a different Anhaga. There's HaKadosh Baruch Hu promise that will always exist. And in order to save Kali Yisrael, so that's more different than Hashem working. And that is, in order to keep that commitment to saving Kali Yisrael, then there's going to be a different Anhaga which will work and is active, that, which is going to be what you use to save Kali Yisrael. And then again, to use the Mishalim of Darizah, it's Kaila of this new, the new Midim, which is called the Malchus, she gets the Kaseh. She gets the Kaseh. And therefore, she's able to offer it. She's able to, 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 to act, so to speak, or to run how things happen in the world. And the point of that meeting is what's left to save Kali Yisrael. And therefore, there's a certain paradox over here. Let's try and understand it. And that is that, on the one hand, there could be stages where because of Kali Yisrael's Averis, then there's going to be a situation where the mirror of Hashem's Malchus isn't revealed, and the mirror of Hashem being the Melech isn't revealed. That's Kehillah, he went to sleep. But when that brings about the possibility of a risk to the existence of Kali Yisrael, such as in Psalm of Hormon, such as when our enemies try to destroy us, so that's Mo'erir and Yuan Hagar. And that is the Hagar that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the Kali Yisrael. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is protecting Kali Yisrael. And in order to maintain Kaisha and to keep Hashem's commitment that Kaisha will always exist, so that gives that Kayach Elyon, we call the Kaisha, to the middle which protects Kaisha, and we made it, that's going to ensure that Kaisha doesn't get destroyed. That's going to ensure that Kaisha doesn't get destroyed, because that middle, never, that, that middle doesn't go to sleep. In other words, there's never a, a case where the, the fact that Hashem is uh, committed to saving Kaisha, would go to sleep, and that would cause the possibility of Kaisha getting destroyed. And that's what Harman didn't see. He saw correctly the middle that there was at the time. And that is that the, the fact that Hashem wasn't acting as a Melech, that middle was asleep. What we didn't see is that as soon as he's going to make a Xeria to destroy Kaisha, that's going to trigger a second middle. And that is the middle which Hashem uses to ensure the survival of Kaisha. And with that middle, then Harman by definition can't succeed because that minute isn't sleeping and when it wakes up when, the, when it gets the kasa it's now used it's, used, it's being used to pr- protect our Yisrael so then uh, for sure it's going to act in the way which will ensure that Haman's going to fail which means if you think about it really there's a to maybe to harm a part of the Jewish people to persecute the Jews maybe there would have been an opportunity because it doesn't threaten the Kaisal survival. And if Kaisal don't deserve to be saved, so then the middle of Hashem acting as the Melech, which means enforcing what he wants in the world, isn't threatened. But as soon as what brings into a question Kaisal's existence, and therefore there was now an option that Kaisal wouldn't exist, so if that's the case, that's going to for sure be the middle that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is protecting the survival of Kaisal, and therefore, by definition, Homer has to fail. 
And that's what we said in the Fossil. You know, Layanam Vera Yishan Shemi Yisrael. The Shemi Yisrael, that middle, which is there always to protect Klai Yisrael, that never sleeps. Whenever there's a, a tenses that there's a possibility of Klai Yisrael's existence being being questioned or being threatened, Layanam then that middle can't sleep. But now the question just is how? So firstly, we've seen a tremendous idea. A tremendous idea, and it comes with a tremendous chizah. Because what we saw by Purim is when this second middle was Misairah, when this middle of Tachadosh Baruch protecting Klai Yisrael was Misairah, so then Klai Yisrael's survival is guaranteed. And even in a case where we don't deserve it, and even in a case where Alpi, the, the normal way of, the, so to speak, the Melech who runs the world is sleeping because because of us, he, uh, there wasn't the ability of HaKadosh Baruch Hu from the top to send down the extra shepherd to the world. And therefore the Melech Oedem, so to speak, lost his crown. And therefore the world's not acting the way Hashem wants it to act. It's not, and Hashem's not enforcing that, that change. But nevertheless, even in a circumstance like that, Tal Yisrael's not going to survive. Because there's a second medal which we saw in Purim. And that is... That Hashem's Hanhaga to save Klaishra runs independent. That Homer never foresaw, and that's really what brought to his undoing. But now we need to understand how does this work? Because there's an obvious question over here. And that is, if the reason why, so to speak, the mirror of Hashem being the Melech is dormant, is because Hashem can't send that extra Shefa of Kedusha or of existence or of. Gili of, of Hashem is seriously covered because Klai Yisrael at the lower end of the whole system aren't in a position to receive it. They've done too much wrong and therefore we've lost the ability to receive more Rukhnitz and therefore the whole the whole system, so to speak, gets stopped from the very top. Well, that's the case. Then how's that, system, that flow going to begin again to go through the Malchus if Klai Yisrael aren't going to deserve it? And when Klai Yisrael don't deserve it, so then that Kesser, which we said is a Koyach, which is coming from the highest Sanhagah, has to be given to the middle of protecting Klai Yisrael. And so to speak, that middle, the, of the middle which protects Klai Yisrael, now wears the crown. And it has the, the ability, so to speak, to intervene and change things, even in a way which is sometimes miraculous, in order to save Klai Yisrael. But how does that Koyach begin? How does that Koyach begin? Because like we saw beforehand, it has to flow through the system, and it has to get somewhere where Klai Yisrael are able to receive it. Otherwise, it's just being that whole Koyach is, is going nowhere. And if Klai Yisrael don't deserve it, if Klai Yisrael don't deserve it, so then how, what, how's it going to happen? And this is where the Gemara addresses it. And the Gemara says that uh, uh, talking about the future, talking about Hashem wants to bring the Mashiach. And then here also, the Gemara says there's a possibility of Klai Yisrael deserving Mashiach. And if Klai Yisrael deserves Mashiach, then, then what will happen is it will moir the Melech, so to speak. In other words, so to speak, Hashem acting as the Melech of Kalaylam will get back that Kesser, and then Hashem will act to make the world the way He wants it to be. And the way Hashem wants the world to be is that Klai Yisrael will be prominent in the world, and all other nations will be there to subservient to them, and the whole world will be acting the way Hashem wants it to act. And that's the one option how Mashiach can come. Hashem the Melech of Kalaret. So Hashem will be the Melech, and everything then, and everything then will be, will, will be there to do His will. That the Klai Yisrael deserve it, and then when they do, then they're able to receive more, and then the, the Kayach Elion comes down, and that's the Ma'ir the Melech, so to speak, he gets back his crown, and then Akadosh Baruch will make the world the way he wants it to be. 
You're opposed to the law in the world like a Melech. Like a king does. And if they shall don't deserve it, what's the second option? So look what the Gemara says. The Gemara says, Hashem will be maimed alay Melech kasha kohaman umachzirin lamotaf. Hashem will be maimed on them, a king has, who is as brutal as Haman was, and that will force Israel to come back. Now first it's indicative that out of all the various enemies we had, the example given of the king who Hashem is going to be maimed against us, the force of the Tshuva is Haman, even though Haman wasn't even the king. It doesn't say he's going to be maimed in Nebuchadnezzar or anybody else. What's special about Haman? And the answer is, Haman was the one who wanted to totally destroy the Jewish people. And that possibility of wanting to totally destroy the Jewish people, like we said, is what's more in the middle which protects the Jewish people. But how does that happen? Let's look at the second Gemara. And the Gemara says that G'dayla Hasaras Tabas, more than the fact that the king gave his ring to Haman, affected more change in Israel than what the Nevi'im could achieve with all the Nevo's and threats of punishment that they predicted. In other words, there's a certain element which forces Israel to do trouble. But in the case of Haman, when the possibility of the destruction was so vivid and so real and so clear to them, so then it, it, it sparked a certain amount of doing trouble. And that shiva, then, so to speak, was the catalyst which enabled the Baruch to save him. So why do you need this in Haga? In other words, once you have the Kayach of Shiva, so the Kayach of Kayashra are now in a better place. And now maybe they deserve the first level. They deserve the level where she was acting as the king. And the answer is no. Because the Shiva isn't a complete Shiva. There's a chiva which is a complete chiva and a person has gone through the process of chiva and has changed. And now maybe they have a different level that deserve more. But there's a second chiva, there's an incomplete chiva. It's a chiva which is just the beginnings of chiva. And that is that we, we, want, we realize what we've done wrong and we, we regret it. And we're going to want to change. But it hasn't yet happened. It hasn't yet happened. And then we can't say that we deserve a different, that we deserve the hashbah of the Melech to come down because we deserve, we are acting in a way which is makes us deserving of having a Melech. We aren't the loyal citizens of Hashem, unfortunately, who deserve to have Hashem ruling over us. So that Hanukkah doesn't come back yet. But if you've done even the stirrings of Chava, and that is the fact that we want to change, that's enough to moir the Hanukkah we said before of that Hashem protects Ta Yisrael. Hashem protects Ta Yisrael. And therefore, the way the system works is when Klai Yisrael are holding in a place where they don't deserve the Melech. We've done too much wrong. We're in Godless. And therefore, that's not the middle which is acting to protect Klai Yisrael. Then the way that the Hashem will protect Klai Yisrael is by causing a situation which will at least force the Jews at least to think about doing each other, to start doing each other. And that's enough to be more the middle of the Hashem protects Klai Yisrael. Because by... One, by anticipating Shiva or by pre- preparing to do Shiva, then a person already has a connection to Klai Yisrael and if that's the case then there's already the possibility of HaKadosh Baruch saving him as part of the Haftacha that HaKadosh Baruch is going to save Klai Yisrael and therefore that same Haftacha that Klai Yisrael will never be destroyed is the Haftacha that the Torah will never be forgotten because 
and that the parish will never be so far that, they, that it'll be impossible for them to begin to do children. And that's what happened at the time of Malachi and Esther also. A fast of three days and three nights didn't fix all the problems of the dog. A fast of three days and three nights was this, when the children of Klai Yisrael did was symbolic of that they wanted to achieve and they wanted to change. But the change took time. Like it says afterwards, Kimu Bekibra, you heard that they were Makabal afterwards, everything. So it began a process which later on came to a completion. It began a process which later on came to its lamus that was enough to save Klai Yisrael now. And therefore, the, the, the fear of the Gezerah was really the Hasada from the Gezerah, because that's what brought Klai Yisrael to the first step of doing children. The first step of doing tshuva, and when the first step of doing tshuva happens, so then that's enough already to save Klai Yisrael. And they are not. We shouldn't be talking about this in Purim, but if one wants to contrast that, I'm not the first one to say this. So the matzav of the Jewish people before the Second World War was also a matzav where there was so much wrong that, of course, we were in Godless, and the Melech, as you say, was asleep. And if that's the case, so then it would be possible for people to to attack and to cause damage to the Jewish people, which has always been the situation in Goddess. Whenever we're in Goddess, it means the Melech is asleep. When the and when the Melech is asleep, so to speak, so then he's not implementing his will on the world, and people can do things differently. Except, the and like the Pasuk says, we stand upon him, Hashem says, I'll turn my face away from him, and they're going to get punished, they're going to get massacred. Because when Hashem is not intervening, then work, things work in a way in the world which Hashem, so to speak, takes a back seat and lets people do what they want to do. But, when it gets to a stage where the existence of the Jewish people is threatened, so that's the other Midah, like we said, the Midah of the Israel, and that's going to now intervene to stop the Jewish people getting destroyed. But what it takes is that that fear of the Melech Pashukahaman is meant to bring Kaisal at least to the stirrings of children, at least to the point where we want to know children, and that enables that mirror to work. And what happens when even that threat of a Melech wants to destroy the entire Jewish people, like Haman did, and the decrees have been written, like Haman did, and that doesn't even cause the stirring of children, well, then we saw what happens in the Second World War. Then that plan becomes something which starts to be carried out, and the Jewish people start to get destroyed. But the promise of Hakadosh Baruch is it will never be completed, which means at some stage they will already they will it will cause a certain stirring of shiva, and at that stage then the middle the middle which Hashem is Hashem Yisrael will will be activated, and remember that the, the destruction will never be complete. The matter of the Jews of Shushan, the matter of the Jews of Shavuotah is that they listened to Malachi and they joined in the, the beginning of the process of Shiva, which forestalled Haman. Forestalled Haman, in that way, the Gezerah didn't even begin. Haman was killed and the Gezerah was misbattled. The Gezerah was cancelled before he even had a chance to start. And uh, as we experienced the other times in Jewish history, Taishal went quick enough to do Shiva when he noticed the Gezerah was looming, was impending. It took time until the Gezerah actually started being carried out. Until eventually, eventually, Kaishal came to the point of doing Shiva. And at that stage, then, then the mirrors of Hashem's being Shem Yisrael would ensure, would guarantee that the destruction would never be complete. Marizal also points out the interesting thing. A Megillah literally means a scroll. And 
all the lots of scrolls of different books of the Tanakh, or even of the different we call Megillahs. But the only one always referred to Islam as Megillah is talking about Megillah's Esther. Even in the Gemara and in the Mishnahs, Tanis and Megillah, the, 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 so speak, the default Megillah we always talk about is Megillah's Esther. It's an interesting thing. He says that Esther, we know, is from Russian Hester, something hidden. Therefore, the, the time of Esther was a time of Hester Panin. Hashem is Hester Aster Panin, which means the middle of the Malchus was asleep. But Megillah is from Russian being Megale, which means to reveal. And what was revealed in Purim was the fact that even when there's a Muslim of Hester Panin, even at a time when Sarasvik Hashem's face is turned away, there's a revelation of a new Anhaga which serves Kalisra. And that was the Simcha of Purim. When we saw the Mitnis of Hashem did in the Torah, that was Hashem acting as Melech. Because that was the time when Kalisra, for whatever reason, deserved uh, the Yeshua, the salvation. And we made our Kodesh Baruch as acting in the capacity of the, the king who's enforcing what he wants in his world. But over here it was a nice which happened in Golis, which means it happened at a time when Klaishal didn't deserve. It happened at a time when the Melech, so to speak, was asleep. And still, what, what brought about Homer's downfall and what brought about Klaishal's success was the middle which is going to ensure that Klaishal will never be destroyed. And that's the Simcha. That's the Simcha, that's the Simcha which will never get taken away from us. Because now we see that even if we don't deserve, there will still be an Anhaga which we're going to get set. And the matter what we celebrate on Purim, in a way, is a bigger celebration of Hatsala than when we celebrate it on Pesach. Because there's a Hatsala when Kaishal deserve to be saved. And when that happens, so then it needs a certain, it needs a certain schus in our part that we, that the, king, the king is active. But now what we saw in Purim is that there's a Hatsala for Kaishal, even when Kaishal don't deserve to be saved. But as long as there's a chiva and as long as therefore there's something which we look, we, we would try to achieve or get to a, a, or we were deserving of in the future, not even, even a non-complete chiva, we still deserve, we're still going to get saved. Because that's what are the middle of HaKadosh Baruch for protecting Klai Yisrael as the Shemir Yisrael. And with this we can explain the Rashba. The Rashba in Chivas was asked the question. The Gemara says that all the Mardim are going to be misbattled one day, are going to be cancelled or won't be kept except for Purim. Why? Because the Pasuk says, We may have Purim, the days of Purim won't leave the Jewish people and their memory will never be forgotten. And the Rashba was asked, we have a principle, and that is that Torah won't be forgotten. And if that's okay, how can it be that in the time of Mashiach, we won't be keeping Pesach, we won't be keeping Sukkot, in the first of Sukkot, there's a method to eat matzah, there's a method to sit in the Sukkot, there's a method to take the liver. So the Torah won't get changed, those methods will apply in the time of Mashiach too. And therefore, why should, or how could it be that the other wording will get forgotten? And the Rashba's answer is that it's not referring to the time of Mashiach. When he says in the future the money will be forgotten, he says it's referring to a time before Mashiach. There will be a time of persecution and there will be a time of goddess, and in that matter of goddess, we won't be able to keep the other money. 
we're going to be able to keep the other modem, but Purim will be able to keep. Even in times of despair, even in times of goddess, we'll always have Purim. And based on what we've explained from the Rizal, we understand very beautifully what the Rashba say. And that is, to celebrate Pesach, is to celebrate the Kaddish Baruchel, so to speak, showing he's the Melech in the world and running the world the way he wants. Just like he showed in Mitzrayim. I'm a Kaddish Baruch, I make the world the way I want it to be. That's Hashem acting in the way which is acting as the Melech. To celebrate circus, and that is like we see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how he's, so to speak, his cloud of the Shekhinah is surrounding the Jewish people. He's a certain level for the Jewish people to be on, to deserve that. And there could be times in Godless when Kaddish Baruch aren't on that level, and therefore aren't Zaycheh, don't merit that kind of a Hanhaga. And if that's the case, so in that, in, in that darkness of goddess, we can't celebrate Pesach and we can't celebrate Pesach. But Purim will never be forgotten because there's never a situation where the Koyach of Purim doesn't apply. And that is, even in goddess, and even when Hashem Kaviyachal is sleeping and Kaviyachal is threatened with destruction, then the Koyach of Purim, that, that's when the Koyach of Purim is felt. That's when the Koyach of Purim is prevalent, because that's when the Zayn Hagar, which is especially there to save the Jewish people, to save the Jewish people, and we have to, and by even beginning the process of Shiva, we can already preserve the Zayn Hagar. And therefore, there's never a time we can't celebrate Purim, because the opportunity of Purim is always presented to It's the celebration of the survival of Kali Yisrael, even in circumstances which we don't deserve, even during Goddess. And therefore, however bad the goddess is, that's just more more the kayak which is the kayak of Purim, which is the kayak of Akadish Baruchu, the kayak of Akadish Baruchu, so to speak, who's stepping in to save Kalisha. There's one last point in this idea. And that is the result says too, that the concept of, like we say often in Kikabara, we take stories in the Torah, stories which have a meaning of the Pshat of the Torah. And we're talking about physical things, the physical people in the physical world. But if we look at the same story and the same concept in the spiritual terms, in a Kabbalistic term, so then the, mean, the words have different meanings, and the story also makes sense to some non-physical level. It doesn't mean that the one's right, the one's right. They're both true. They're working on parallel levels of understanding. And therefore, just like, for example, when we read the story of Yaakov and his two wives, Leah and Rachel, we're talking about a physical man and two physical women who he married. But in a Kabbalistic sense, the Yaakov and Ruch and Leah all refer to the different concepts, and they're both true. There's an interaction between those spiritual concepts which works independently of the people who had those names and interacted with the physical world. I'm standing over here. The Hatzalah of Purim, we know, the person was Mardachai. What the Rizal explains is that, that the Mardachai also represents a concept. And uh, the concept of Mardachai he says, the Sakha Gemara says, that Maridachia is a, a, a simon for the spice of the Kateris. The spice of the Kateris. And therefore, Maridachai was the Rosh of Samim, he was the first of the spices of the Kateris. Now, and he was the one who brought Taishul to Chiva. What's the connection? What's the connection to the idea of the Kateris to the Hatzar of Taishul? And, uh, Maybe now is not the time to explain, it's not the time to go into detail, but just the, the principle of the Dava, and that is, that was the Kayach of the Kateris. We know in Torah that the Kayach of the Kateris is a good protection of the Malach Amagos. And therefore we saw when there was a Magaifa, Moshe tells Aaron to take the Kateris, 
and stand between the dead and the alive, and the Magaifa will stop. And the understanding was that it was the Magaifa which was deserved. And Klaishal didn't deserve the Hatsala. Klaishal didn't deserve to be saved, or was it that been the case? It would have been saved without the Kteris. And if that's the case where the Kteris comes to prevent people from being killed, is in the case where they don't deserve. And in the case where they don't deserve, now the Kteris can act as a connection, so to speak, to the middle of Kodesh Baruch Hu, which, which will save Klaishal, even in the case where they don't deserve it. Of course, it's going to need some amount of chuva, like we said before, even a minimal chuva. But that's enough. And then the Kteris has the ability to, to ward off the Malachim of us. And that's the same Kerech of Mordechai here. And that is, in the case where Kaishal deserved to die, I'll feed it in, and even a Gezer in Shemayim had already been sealed, like, like the Midrash and Teras, but what was used as the means to, so to speak, prevent Kaishal from the Gezer, and bring bring this middah of HaKadosh Baruch protecting us into play was the Mokhtaris, was the Mordechai, was the Kayach which uh, there is, which can hold back the Mordechai Mavis in order to save Kali Yisrael. That's the concept we want to talk about. In Alpi Kabbalah, what the Yisrael of Kutaris is, what the Yisrael of Purim is, and what the special Simcha of Purim. The special Simcha of Purim is that it proves Kali Yisrael indestructible. And even when we don't deserve it, there will still Hashem is the second Lenhage, so to speak, which is going which is going to be there to protect Al Yisrael. And therefore, like we said, the Gemara says about Purim that after Purim we are still the servants of Achashverosh, and we don't see that the Hanhage changed that Kiru the Melech came back. We were still in Goddess. We still hadn't done the full Shavu yet, and therefore we're still in Goddess. But even in Goddess. Even, and that's just the, the Gemara brings together the past. Okay? Even by the Yisrael, even in the stage where we're in Goddess, the Kaddish Baruch hasn't rejected us. There's a second Hagu which says this. And we'll finish with the Gemara Megiddo which says this. It says, "Ve'af ba'am comes us, ve'yisim ba'aretz ve'im le'ma'astim le'ga'altim le'chalosim." Even this, when they're in the land of their enemies, which means it's a period of Goddess, and they don't have the schus that the Kaddish Baruch should run things the way he wants. The Melech isn't active. But I haven't abandoned them, I haven't forsaken them to destroy them. And what steps in to stop that happening, and says the Gemara what stops that destruction happening is that there's a second Tanhaka, which will always be there to save Ta'a Yisrael. And that will make sure that however much we deserve the punishment, paradoxically that will ensure it's not going to happen.